0: All right, good morning. hope you're having a great weekend. Appreciate you being here with us today. You survived the snow. And, and I can't believe that we went from snow last Tuesday or whatever until they're saying 84, 85 degrees this coming Tuesday. It's crazy. But uh, things are at least going in the right direction. And uh, um, we're, uh, we're glad you're here. Last week, Kevin started off our series Don't waste your work, and we looked at God's plan for work. How God himself works, and how he created us for work, and then how he commanded us to work. And uh, and we looked at that plan in detail last week, and speaking of that plan, did you see the the guy over in Italy this past week who was uh, charged for fraud? He worked at a hospital, and he hadn't shown up to work, he'd been skipping work for 15 years. 15 years, how does that happen? You know, how, how, how does nobody ever say, where's Joe, you know? you know? And does he call in every day and say, um, sorry, I'm sick again today? You know, I don't know. And you know, over that 15 years, they paid him you know, in the equivalent of U.S. dollars of 640000 $640,000. It's not exactly God's plan for work. Um, and, and we're going to move on from the plan for work today to God's purpose for work. Because as Christians, we sure want to know, don't we, what our work's all about, why we're doing what we're doing, what's the purpose of it. I'm looking primarily today at one verse, a verse a lot of you will know. Yeah, it's at Colossians 3.23 that says, whatever you do, Do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Great verse. And a lot of challenging. And what we see here is if we're going to fulfill God's purpose for our work, it's clear there's some realities that we've got to get a hold of. And what we'll see as we go through these is is that these realities build on each other in order for us to be able to get the full picture of God's purpose for works. The first one we see is the first reality is we can't make exceptions. Notice what it says, Whatever you do, whatever you do, that's pretty broad, isn't it? There's no exceptions. Whether you're on the bottom rung of the ladder or you're on the top, it doesn't matter. Our position doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what type of work we do. You can be blue collar, white collar, no collar. It doesn't matter. We don't get to excuse ourselves from accomplishing God's purpose for our work because it's a bad job or we've got a bad boss or we've got lousy coworkers or whatever. And we don't get to excuse ourselves because it's a good job and we've got a good boss. It's whatever you do, the things you enjoy, and the things you don't enjoy. Whatever you do, we've got to start there, with no exceptions. Because if we allow any exceptions, we'll be open to every exception, and we'll fail to accomplish the purpose God has for us. Okay, we all know when we look back our own history, our own work history, we've all had some tough experiences probably. We've all got our stories I've told some of mine in the past, I'll spare you from that today, okay? But maybe it's about our first job, or jobs we had working our way through school, or maybe it's a job we have right now, jobs that we may not really be happy about, and that happens a lot. I saw one survey that said of 180,000 Americans that were surveyed, 80% of people said they didn't like their job, 80%. That's sad, isn't it? Sad that people are spending their life doing something they don't enjoy and they're probably sad too for their employers because they're probably not putting in the best effort at a job they don't enjoy. But as Christians, when well, you see that, you think, oh, these unhappy people, that leaves us with a great opportunity, an opportunity to impact them and others around us because we start with the idea and the premise. Whatever we do, no exceptions, no excuses, no giving ourselves an out, that's the reality. And that reality is gonna set the tone for us to be able to fulfill God's purpose. Let me just think about the context here. The verse directly before that one says this, Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth. Not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. So, catch this. When it says, whatever you do, that's in the context of slavery. Now, just to clear some things up here for a second. Let's talk about that slave issue because people sometimes want to challenge us as Christians because they say, well, the Bible allows for slavery. See, in their minds, they think they can throw that out there and, and they think there's no comeback for that and because of that, Christianity can be uh, delegitimized and, and they can just dismiss it all. But if we could just slow that roll there for a minute, we would, we would say, hey, wait. There are huge differences between slavery, as we think of it, from our history here in America, and slavery in biblical times. Huge differences. See, people weren't enslaved because of the color of their skin. Sometimes it was a result of warfare. Sometimes it was based on economics. It was a matter of social status. People sold themselves. They sold themselves as slaves when they couldn't pay their debts or provide for their families. In New Testament times, sometimes doctors, sometimes lawyers, even politicians were slaves, which may not be a bad idea. <laughs> Some people actually chose to be slaves so they could have all their needs provided for by their masters. See, it's, it's way different than what we think of. But in fact, with, even with those differences, the Bible at every turn calls for a treatment of slaves that would have been much more humane than any found at that time. So again, totally different level. And when it comes to anything comparable to what we think of as slavery, the closest I think we can come to that is when the Bible says in Exodus 21, six, he who kidnaps a man, like what happened in 18th and 19th centuries, whether he sells him or he is found in his possession, shall surely be put to death. So the idea of taking someone from their everyday life and hauling them off to be enslaved is in fact condemned in scripture. And it was so serious that the one starting it, the one who took the man, he was to be put to death. No, the Bible's not giving approval of slavery. And then on top of that, the fact is that in our country, and other nations like England, with men like William Wilberforce. It was evangelical Christians who took the lead on ending slavery. So the issue of slavery is far from invalidating for Christianity. But even though slavery in the Bible in no way resembled what we think of, still, even as it was operating at that time, most of the time, if you had had another option you'd probably take the other options. So the point here then is when we come to this passage is that even slaves weren't allowed to make an exception. And if they wanted to fulfill the purpose of God in their work as believers, they couldn't give exceptions because of the circumstances they were in. And certainly if they couldn't do that, then neither can we, no matter what our circumstances are. If you want to fulfill God's purpose in your work, You can't make exceptions. Which leads us to the second reality. We can't give half-hearted effort. Whatever we are doing, we are supposed to do our work heartily. And literally, that means work from the soul. Work from the soul. It's talking about putting our whole selves into it, doing our absolute best. But I wanna be careful here. Working from the soul for a Christian isn't just about putting in a lot of effort and a lot of time. Those things are great. And I I think they can be the outcome of what we're talking about. But the fact is, most of us already believe we're hard workers. You know, it's just not too many people that walk in and go, you know, if they're coming into a counseling session, they go, hey, you know what, I've got a problem, I don't work hard enough. You know, most people think they work hard. and, And we believe we work harder than the next guy. And if we're not careful, our working hard can become an issue of our own pride, where we're, we're, we're motivated by the fact that we feel we're better than others. And people who don't know Christ can work like that. We're looking for something more. Working from the soul is talking about putting our whole inner man into our work who and what we are spiritually. It means our work isn't coming from our own self-motivation and our own strength. See, it's not just about being passionate about our work. It's about our identity spiritually. We work like we do because of our identity, who we are inwardly, our identity in Christ. And that identity in Him drives us to work hard and do our best. That's the driving force for us if we're going to fulfill God's purpose in our work, that has to be a reality in our work life driven from within not from our own initiative as a result of who Jesus has made us. Can't make exceptions and we can't give half-hearted effort and we also can't have a wrong objective. Whatever you do, do your work heartily and how as for the Lord rather than for men. As for the Lord, when it comes to our work, rather than working for men, the reality is we should be working for him. And that's huge. That's what sets us free. That's what motivates us. That's what brings meaning to everything we do. When we start viewing our work as it's done for him, and we recognize ultimately what our purpose is, we bring honor to him. See, it can't be that our work is just about getting a paycheck. Nothing wrong with a paycheck, but that's not our ultimate goal. It can't be that our work is about making ourselves feel good or impressing someone. Working like that, that's what brought Solomon to the conclusion he came to in Ecclesiastes 2.17, when he said, so I hated life, I hated life, which did not for the work which had been done under the sun. Now, if you know the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon uses that phrase, under the sun, when he's talking about things that were done, life in general, when when it's done without a God perspective. It's It's just talking about the things you can see in this world. So, he's looking at his own work, and he's going, hey, I look at my work that I've done under the sun without a perspective of God, just what I can see. And you know what it brought me? I hated my life. Because it was grievous to me, because everything is futility and striving after wind. Working for any other purpose besides working for him is like trying to catch the wind. It's futile, it's empty. None of those things can satisfy, ultimately. There's an, it's an empty way to live life. It's an empty way to do our work. As believers, we want something more. We wanna bring honor and glory to Christ. We're working for Him. So how do we do that? Well, God's placed some major callings on our lives. And, and work is one of the best places for us to put those callings to work to live them out. I want to point out three of those callings, okay? And all three of these are essential for us to accomplish our purposes as Christians. As believers, we are called, first of all, what's known as we're called to the Great Commission, right? The Great Commission, if you've been around church for very long, you understand that. You know it's when Jesus told his disciples to go and make more disciples, right? All of us as believers are called to that great commission. We've also been called to the great commandment. If you remember, uh, the Pharisees were coming, they're trying to catch Jesus and trick him up. And, and so one Pharisee asked him, hey, teacher, which command the law is the greatest? And, and Jesus answered him, Matthew 22, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your mind, and, and your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second was like it: you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So, as believers, we're supposed to be all about loving God and loving others. And then the third calling is actually it was the first calling that God ever placed on mankind. It came before the fall and before there was a need for the Great Commission. It's called the creation mandate, sometimes called the cultural mandate genesis 1 verse 27 says god created man in his own image in the image of god he created him male and female he created them god blessed them and god said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth and then Genesis 2.15, Kevin mentioned last week, that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. So God put the world under our care. We've all been called to that as well. So we've got the great commission that emphasizes the importance of believers being involved in sharing their faith and making disciples. We've got the great commandment that emphasizes the importance of of Christians loving God and along with that second commandment, demonstrating their love for others. And then we've got the creation mandate that emphasizes that God calls and commands us to fill the earth with his image and to work, to cultivate, to create things that are good and glorify him so that when we work, whether it's designing a new building, or arranging a room and cleaning it, or baking bread, or developing a medicine, or writing a computer program, or painting a picture, or cutting someone's hair, it's all so that we'll, He'll receive the glory, and lives will be impacted. It's what it's all about. There's a lady that's been a member here at Grace for a long time, many of you know her, Kathy McAllister. And there's quite a number of people here at Grace because of their connection to Kathy. I want you to listen to her story about her work.
1: My name's Kathy McAllister. I've worked at Camp Plastics since October of 1992 as a temporary employee. I got hired in in June of 93 um, and in August of 2002 I was offered a job in the office. They, The office manager quit, and they wanted someone in the office, and I think they figured out I could talk, so they brought me in the office. There have been temps that have come in. Uh, one girl, she kept telling me, you remind me of my grandma, you talk about Jesus, you remind me of my grandma. And oh, she had such a rough life, but I loved her. So I do try and talk to people about Jesus. Brian Smith, he would ask me questions. He knew I was a believer, I was kind of verbal. And he would ask me questions like, who did Adam and Eve's kids marry? And um, what about the dinosaurs? As time went by, we would have conversations. He was honest, always honest, very candid. He got married young. He kind of had a plan, I think, and it wasn't going as planned. And he um, ended up coming to faith in Christ. I've got customers that I've been able to talk about Jesus with. And if you're a believer, you have something to offer above and beyond. The norm and people are gonna, God's gonna put people in your life that none of it is by accident. And we all started at the same place without Him. You know, we need to know that there are people out there that, like me at 32, said, Why didn't someone tell me this before? Especially now, people they have to be confused and frightened and. Any stability that you have in your life is going to show up, it's going to show.
0: So, Kathy's had an impact. She's had an impact by sharing her faith. But I also know she's had an impact uh, by doing the loving part of it, loving people. One lady that she worked with, uh, for instance, wanted desperately uh, to have a baby. It wasn't happening. And uh, Kathy reached out to her, and I want you to watch uh, the rest of this story as Kathy reached out to her.
1: One year we were going to Founders Week, and I said, well, I'll be praying for you. I remember sending her a note from Chicago telling her, I'm praying for you now. And after several failures of whatever wasn't working, the fall of 97, she said, I just want you to know that God has answered your prayer, I'm pregnant. And she, to this day, says that. God answered your prayer. I remember when she had him, and I was so uh, invested in that through prayer that when they, I didn't know them all that well. Now, this was 98, so I'd been there about five years, but still, I didn't know them that well. And they, um... We're at the hospital and I thought, I'm not sure if this is right, but I'm going. I just went to the hospital and saw them right after the baby was born. She was like just delivered, her mom and dad were there. and But it it was a really kind of a powerful answer to prayer. One thing that happened is that I made a bargain with God that if I said, Lord, if you'll just let her have a child I will talk to them about Jesus. Never do that. I said, Lord, I'll, I'll share my testimony and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it if you please. Give her a child. So then, here I said that to the Lord. I made that promise, and I'm like, I went out to my car to eat lunch one day, and I, <laughs> I'm really sidestepping and shuffling like I'm knowing I gotta do this now. And I said, Lord, you know, they're just home from the hospital. I, I'm really rationalized. I said, if if um, I know I'll talk to them at some point and, I, and I'll share my faith with them then. But I said, you know, and then I, I said, well, Lord, if if she invites me over, if she which I never thought they would do. She walked out to my car that day and said, why don't you come over this weekend and see the baby? So I really had to, and I did, I boldly shared my faith. I said, I said, I just, I gave him a a book about the Gospel of John. And I said, "Um, this is where my hope is. It is in Jesus. When I pray, it is not to some Santa Claus in the sky. It is to the living God who I believe really wants the best for us.
0: So Kathy's sharing her faith, she's showing love, and I, 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 have, I also know that she does a good job at what she does, she, at her work. I, I know that for sort of a strange reason, though. See, through the years, I've for, for one reason or another, I might need to, to, to talk to Kathy about some issue, so I'd call out there. And it hit me as I was calling, just to have a little fun, I'd disguise my voice, and uh, Pretend like I was a customer who had placed an order and I had problems with my order, and, and so I'd i drag her through this whole process of try, her trying to fix an imaginary order, and uh, and uh, I'd keep that going as long as I could until I either started laughing or she figured it out on her own that it was it was me, and and we just had we had a good time with it. But the thing I noticed in doing that was Kathy. She was being as as kind as she possibly could be to a guy who was complaining and she was doing her best to solve my problem, even though there wasn't a real problem. She was doing her best to solve that. Just working, doing a good job. That's what, she's she's doing all three things that we're looking at here. She's accomplishing that because she's working for him. The workplace, you got to understand, it's one of the few places where believers and non-believers spend a lot of time together. Over a lifetime, a lot of people still spend over 100,000 hours at work. It's there that we're making connections and relationships that will give us an opportunity to, to have meaningful conversations, talk about things like God and I know sometimes it's not possible at work, you know, you're not allowed to, whatever. But still there's opportunities that come out of that work, out of all that time. And people see us working, they should, they, they come to know us and they're thinking, if this person's life and work can be so impacted by knowing God. They're thinking, like this guy, this lady, they, they seem to do everything, with, that's their work with everything that's in them and those same people know it's got something to do with our relationship with, with God, then maybe, just maybe, they'll want to know more. If we're open-hearted and we grow to love and care, if we're trustworthy and respectful, coworkers may respond to our compassion with curiosity. They may ask us why. We are the way we are. They may ask us about our integrity and that opens the door naturally for us to talk about Jesus. They may find that kind of conversation almost relaxing. It's certainly less intimidating than talking to a stranger. For, for many, it'll be less intimidating than coming to church. You know, 54% of, of Americans seldom or never go to church. That's around 140 million people age 15 and up. So how then? How is the message of God's love and redemption ever going to reach them Say, well, I'll all invite him to church. Well, that's, that's great. We always want to encourage you to be all about that. Invite as many people as you can. But what if they don't come? What if they don't come? 140 million people dying without Christ. Well, God has a plan. You see, five days a week, eight-plus hours a day, God has His people, those who know Him, who love Him, who've been saved by Him. God has His people going out to them to work beside them, to work for them, to be taught by them, to go to school with them. God has His personal representatives going out, rubbing shoulders with people all around the world who need the gospel. And by our working hard and by exemplifying the Christian life in love, by sharing Christ, that's how they may be reached when we, without exception, do our work heartily from the Lord rather than for men will accomplish God's purpose for our work. And when we do that, our true boss, the one whose glory fills the earth, is pleased with us. Verse 24 says, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It's the Lord Christ whom you serve. Now we're going to get paid unbelievably one day. We're gonna get paid in ways we can't even imagine. Slaves, they couldn't normally receive an inheritance. Can you imagine what this verse meant to them as they read this? We're gonna receive an inheritance. We will inherit more than we can imagine because of who our master is. For believers, the thought of standing one day before Jesus and hearing him say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'm going to put you over many. Enter into the joy of your master. That thought drives us on. That will be better than any payment we could receive on this earth, right? God has a purpose for our work. So if you're feeling burnt out today, if you're ready to walk away from your work, if, you're, if you're, you've been done, you're doing your work, been doing your work for any other reason, my challenge to you is fulfill the purpose God has for you. Loving others sharing the gospels, doing your work wholeheartedly from your soul without exception. And what? And maybe, just maybe, you'll be really energized for Monday morning. You know, instead of living for the weekend, maybe you'll be living for the week. you're working for the master. And he's going to accomplish things through you as you serve him. Tomorrow morning when you get up and you're dragging yourself out of bed, think about why you're getting up. If you don't know Christ, you're sitting here and this all sounds a little foreign to you. I want you to know there is no step you can take that will bring meaning to your life, your work life to any part of your life, like coming to know him. And if you'll take the step of turning to him by faith alone and asking him for forgiveness of your sin, based on his sacrifice for you on the cross, he will enter your life He'll forgive your sin. He'll give you a, a, a change for eternity as far as your destiny is concerned. And he will walk through every day of your life with you and bring meaning to every aspect of it if you'll turn to him. You can do that. You can do that see here right now just in your own heart and mind asking him, saying, confessing to him your sin and asking him for, for forgiveness, asking him into your life. If you have any questions about that, we'll be around at the service. A couple of pastors will be in room one. We'd be glad to, to meet with you. We're right in this room right back here uh, and answer any questions we could for you. Take that step. Believer, walk out of here today, I hope, re-energized to do what God's called you to do, to have that purpose in your life. And in your work to accomplish what he's given you to do let's pray father in heaven thank you for your love your grace your provision for us thank you for allowing us to know you and to walk through life we thank you god that you've given us a purpose in life and a purpose as we spend our days many of us god doing work, that it's not just meaningless. It's not just living for ourselves. It's not just getting a paycheck. God, there's something greater that we're, we can accomplish for you. Help us to do that. Help us to be faithful in what you've called us to do. And for those, Father, who've maybe never taken the step of trusting you by faith, I pray, God, that they would take that step even now. Thank you again, Father, for your love, your presence with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.